Have you ever walked into a completely dark room? I'm not talking about a room that had some of the lights turned off or a few blinds, but a room that was completely pitch black with no light, and when you looked, all you saw was darkness. I think of a time in my life about a year ago when I live about 12 minutes from here, far enough into Carver that we consider ourselves rural, and we live by the state forest. And we had a dreadful snowstorm. Do you remember the dreadful snowstorm of a year ago where everyone lost power? We lost power, but we had a generator. It was kind of an old school, kind of looked like we were getting ready for the apocalypse. So we pulled it out of the garage, and I walked over, and I had to clear things out, and it was orange, and I wheeled it out, and it made kind of a creaking sound as I pulled it. And then I realized that there was a little lever I could push, and that made it easier. And so we got it over, and it was time to plug in the generator, and everything was pitch black. But rather than the generator immediately turning on all the light in my house, my generator is an old-school generator. Like, it was originally about $500, very relatively inexpensive. So I had to now journey through my dark house to get the electricity back on. So I plug in the generator, walk in, the children, of course, very not excited about the power outage. They're thinking it's something dreadful and something awful. It's not. It's a power outage. It's very dark, though. And so I go into my basement, and I fumble down the steps, and immediately I bump into something. And it's a wall. There was a wall there. Now, I've always lived with that wall, but I had no idea because it was so dark. And then I kept going, and I hear a crunch, and my feet hurt, and I see that I've just stepped on a number of dump trucks and matchbox cars and various things that Henry's led. And then I keep going, and I'm not kidding you, I literally flip over a couch and fall on the ground. <laughs> and I continue, and I go back to my power strip, and I turn everything on, and now we have light. But that is what is going on in our world today. We have so much darkness, and we often feel like we're going through life running into walls in darkness, Stepping on matchbox toys in darkness and flipping over couches, don't we? We feel like there's all these things going on. And so I like to say it this. Our world lives with the power off and with the lights out. Think about that for a moment. We try to have all these solutions in our lives and in our families. But at best, what happens apart from Christ is... We're just running into walls, and we're just stepping on things that are uncomfortable, fumbling over couches, and we're not really finding clear direction and purpose and meaning. But when I look at the world, yes, we name those things. What are some of these things where we see spiritual darkness? We'll do the litany. There's violence. There's disunity in families. There's deep divides that creep into families, and there's generational wounds and hurts, aren't there? There's also drug addiction that becomes normalized to the point where we're just like, oh yeah, that's going on, and we get it. It's been going on for 30 years. There's all these different things that are so dark in our lives, and so we just feel like we're with the power off, living in complete darkness. But fortunately, we're in church today, and that's a reminder of why do we come to church? We come to church for hope. We come to church for light, and we come to church for the antidote of all culture. We're not here to talk about all the negative things. We're here to talk about how Jesus clearly offers something completely different and something completely better. He's the light. 
He helps us see what's wrong, and he wants to fix what's going on. And so we are in a sermon series. This is week two out of seven on the I Am Statements of Jesus. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in the sixth, eighth chapter of John. And so if you have your Bible, feel free to open that. We'll also have some words on the screen. Also, if you're relatively new to the idea of Bibles and things like that, you can go on your phone. You can go on the browser Bible Gateway, and you can type in John 8 NLT. That's New Living Translation. Or you can also go on the YouVersion Bible app. Jesus says this very clearly. We're in a series called Jesus in His Own Words, and He's going to tell us things about Himself. And He's going to say, I am the light of the world. Let's look at our passage today. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. We're going to look at a couple other parts of Scripture today, but we're going to focus on this one verse. So I invite you, we're going to read this together. Let's read this starting in Jesus, ending in life. Here we go. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Amen. Sermon's over, right? You wish. That would be nice. Time for brunch. Let's go get waffles and maybe we'll get some crepes. Now, here's the point that we're going to make today. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is not a light of the world. Jesus is the light. As we're going through our lives and we're facing really difficult things, don't we? Think about in your family, think about in your workplace or community, think about some of the things that were said today. If we're looking for other lights, we're going to be let down because other lights are not lights. They're darkness pretending to be light for a brief amount of time. Jesus is the light. And God's design for us is not to be people racked with guilt, not to be people racked with shame, not people fumbling over couches and running into walls, but to just live in his light. Kind of what we experienced with this wonderful moment. Wasn't it wonderful baptizing a baby and, and singing Jesus loves me, celebrating and remembering the goodness of God and thinking of all these things? Jesus invites us to live lives that have that sort of light in them. Jesus reminds us over and over to have the faith of children to say, hey, there's all this going on, and I can get pulled in all these directions, and all these ideas, and all these things can try to grab me. Or I can say, hey, Jesus is the light. Hey, I can light that candle and say, wow, God is good. His design is for me to live in the light. So what we're going to establish today is who the light is, what we have to do with darkness, and then we're going to say, okay, then how does that really apply to my life? So we'll talk about the fact that Jesus is the light. Again, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, I am a light of the world. He also didn't say, I'm your light of the world. Like you have a personal thing and everybody else has something else. He says, I am the light of the world. How much of life would be clearer if we just all could start sharing this truth together and we could say, wow, Jesus is the light of the world. Now, it's interesting because you're going to notice, if you read this story, you're going to see that Jesus seems to say this out of nowhere. It's almost like, bam, remember Emerald with bam? Bam, out of nowhere, 
I am the light of the world. It seems to come randomly. But if you open up your Bible, especially in the Old Testament, you're going to notice that over and over we see light as an idea and we see over and over the design about living in the light. So if you start in the very first page of the Bible, Genesis 1, here's what it says. Genesis 1 and just a couple verses in, we see this. Then God said, let there be light. These are the first words spoken by God in the Bible. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from darkness. And so right from the get-go, we see that light is good. Light is something we want. When you think of the light moments in your family, the positive things, the positive moments, that's what we want. Then a little bit later, the Israelites find themselves in captivity in Egypt. And what we see is that, and we're looking in these three stories in the biblical record, and what we see is that they're in captivity in Egypt, and there's this thing called the Exodus. What happens here? We'll do a quick review. There's this anointed leader named Moses, or as my two-year-old son calls him, Moes. Moes, he's talked to the burning bush, and he's, a bush talks to him, and he says, hey, who am I talking to? The bush says, I am. That's who God is. And now Jesus is later using this phrase, I am the light of the world. So remember that. So now we're in this time where Moses goes from the burning bush back to Egypt. And we're going to see he has this opportunity to help the Israelites get free. But there's this nasty, hardened heart guy named Pharaoh. Remember him? And he says, yeah, I don't think so. You guys can just make bricks without straw. Nope, not going to happen. And so what happens is there's these different plagues that happen, and one of them is darkness. And so what we see is that for three days, the Egyptian people are in darkness, but all the while, there's light in Goshen. Goshen is the place where the Israelites live. And so we see that even when others are walking in darkness, God's people always can live in the light. Then later in the text, you go to the book of Isaiah. And in Isaiah, you now have this really sad situation. The Israelites have gotten themselves into all sorts of trouble. And this guy says, hey, the people who have walked in darkness will see a great light. And there's hope. And that hope is Jesus. And so what we see here is that light, Jesus is the light. Light is God's design for us. God's design is not secrecy. God's design is open, honest, transparency and truthfulness, his light, his goodness, bringing things into the light, talking about them, sharing them together. Light is for his people. Light is from Jesus, and light brings hope. And so as we reflect on it, we ask ourselves a couple questions. Here's the first question we ask. And both are really incredibly important. Number one is the foundational question, and then number two is what do I do with it? So foundational question is I grab my Bible. And I say, hey, the, the minister today says that Jesus is the light of the world. There's a lot of things in life that kind of want to be my light of the world. But Jesus says he is the light of the world. Do I believe that? That's our foundational question. And for some of us today, maybe we don't believe that. And we just say, okay, today is all about, yes, I believe Jesus is the light of the world. Then the challenging work begins. Because many of us do believe Jesus is the light of the world, but where are we in relation to that light? 
Sometimes we drift away from that light, don't we? Sometimes we find ourselves, because of all sorts of things, we'll talk in a few moments about spiritual darkness, but sometimes we find ourselves really pulled away from Jesus, not because of him, but because of ourselves. I think of a time I was growing up, and I always went to camp in Maine. Did anybody else go to camp in Maine? We had a lot of camp in New Hampshire people. Hey, I see one hand there. I always went to camp in Maine, too, entering my fifth grade year, sixth grade year, seventh grade, eighth grade, and ninth grade. And so what I did each year is I would pick an interesting camp. So one year I did canoe camp. One year I did swimming camp. I did all these different camps. And then my final year, I read in the brochure and it said overnight camp. I was like, huh, I thought all the camps were overnight. And it literally means overnight camp. We were awake during the night and asleep during the day. And so you had a normal camp experience, but it was all just simply reversed. So at 3 o'clock in the morning, when everyone else was sleeping, we were swimming, literally. Which doesn't really seem safe, but this was about 20 years ago, so I don't think they have it now. Regardless, by about Thursday, no one drowned, we were all good, and by about Thursday, we had this opportunity to have this kind of dance thing. We were all middle school, high school kids. We had this kind of dance thing, and then after it, it was time to go back to our cabin. We all had this one big cabin. And a friend of mine and I, I think his name was Nathan or Nathaniel, I can't remember, we'll call him that, we got lost. And now we found ourselves in the middle of the woods in Maine at 3 o'clock in the morning with no light anywhere. Does that sound challenging? Yeah. I think there was a book called Lost on the Mountain in Maine, kind of similar. But we didn't get lost for a month. We got lost for about an hour. So the thing was, it actually was really easy to find back where we were going because we were in a place where there was only one light, our cabin that we were supposed to be at. And as soon as we were anywhere near it, we could see it. Now, it took work to get back there, and we had to trek through, and we had to go through. There was mud and all sorts of things. But it was very clear where the light was. We just knew in relation to it, we were far away still in the darkness. That is what it's like to consider this. When we look at what it means that if Jesus is the light of the world, but if I've drifted into darkness, sometimes my life in relation to Jesus in the light of the world is simply, I'm in darkness and I need his light to dispel the darkness. So here's what Jesus now says. He says, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Now, I want to be clear about what this says. Look at this for a moment. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Do you notice that it doesn't say, if you follow me, you won't walk in darkness? It doesn't say that. It says, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. If you choose to walk in darkness, you're welcome to, not advised, stay close to the light of Jesus. Here's something I want to show you. There is darkness in our world, it's undeniable, but we're going to go back to those parts of Scripture, those three moments. So Jesus says, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. So boom, in creation, there's light, and God says it's good. So that means darkness isn't good. Then we go to the point in the Exodus, and what we see is, hey, there's light in Goshen for God's people, for the Israelites, but during that, what's happening with the Egyptians? And actually, the Bible says that they're basically paralyzed in fear, that they can't move, that the, the good things they should have been able to do in their life, they were just stuck and stopped. 
God wants us to flourish. God wants us to have good things in our lives. God wants us to have family picnics and family prayer time and family meals and go to baseball games and go to football games and go to hockey games and have all these wonderful experiences and grow up together and celebrate special times. But spiritual darkness can paralyze us. Think of, think of all the spiritual darkness that can happen when there's wars and threats of wars and disease and addiction and all these things. They pause our human flourishing. And then, of course, also when you get to Isaiah, he talks about the people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Notice that. It doesn't say the people who have taken a step in darkness. It says the people who walk in darkness. When I start walking, things become normal. If I'm walking along in darkness, eventually I'm used to the darkness. That's one of the challenges is sometimes we have a hard time identifying, hey, am I walking in spiritual darkness? So that's a question we ask. Okay, how do I know if I'm walking in spiritual darkness? Is that a fair question? Now, we have to be careful. Let's make an agreement. Let's pause. Sometimes there's things in the Bible, sin lists and all sorts of stuff that we take and we want to judge people with. Is the Bible a blunt object we're meant to whack people with? No. Personal reflection, my friends. Can we all agree? This is God talking through the scripture, the Holy Spirit meeting with each of us, allowing us to say, not how do I know if my spouse or my unchurched children or whoever is walking in darkness. No, how do I know if I'm walking in darkness? Can we agree? How do I know if I'm walking in spiritual darkness? The theologian John Wesley lays out three things. He says, ignorance, wickedness, and misery. Ignorance is simply that I'm burying my head in the sand, and I'm just pretending that nothing really matters, and maybe I'm living in an echo chamber. Think for a moment about what it's like if you are in a place where you're supposed to be talking. Maybe you're on a date with someone. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe you're, I'm going to be on a daddy-daughter date tomorrow um, with my daughter. She's all excited. And imagine if a way I can be ignorant is if I'm just sitting there on my cell phone, totally being unavailable, and she's wanting to connect with me, and I'm just sitting there on my cell phone in an echo chamber reading about things that upset me. Wickedness, I choose sin. I choose things like drunkenness or lying or violence or sexual immorality. And they bring me into a place where I'm spiritually dark. And I say, wow, I've got these things kind of holding me back. I could be really close to the light of Christ, but I'm choosing these other things and they're making me feel really distant and really dark. Or misery. Misery is I'm unhappy, I'm not content, I'm not satisfied, and everyone knows it. It's not a secret. Now, it's interesting. We always think of Eeyore as the miserable character, don't we? You remember Eeyore? I was watching the new Winnie the Pooh with my kids, and Eeyore was happy. We turned it off, and we watched the old one. That's not helpful. What is going on? Eeyore cannot be happy. Eeyore was smiling. It was the most confusing thing I've had in an entire year. It was horrible. But so many of us, misery is when we're chronic Eeyores, right? This bothers me. And someone comes to me and they try to give me a muffin, but I don't like that kind of muffin. And they come to me and they try to clear my plate, but I, I don't like being bothered. And I have all these different things where I'm just like, ugh, I'm unhappy, I'm unsatisfied. Everybody knows it. 
Now, those are spiritual darkness, and here's the good news, is that we don't have to stay in that place. Here's a question for us. Where does the light of Jesus need to be in my life? We'll do the world in a moment. But so I've got places, me and you as well. Your pastor is saying this, so this means all of us. Okay. I've got places in my life where I'm a bit ignorant and where I'm maybe sticking my head in the sand, maybe being stuck in my ways. And that's spiritual darkness. That's not being open to Jesus. That's not saying, hey, wow, Jesus, you have a wonderful plan and a purpose for my life. You illuminate things and I'm going to be open. No, I'm stuck in my ways at times. I have preferences. I, I notice this with all sorts of music and things like this. I notice one of the things, I'm, as I do personal reflection, when people play music for me, I start by being critical of it and being harsh and, and acting like I'm the expert. I'm no music expert, I'm just a person. Maybe we have places where we have wickedness in our lives. In fact, most of us do. We have places where we fall short. In fact, the Bible says every single one of us falls short. Maybe there's intentional choices to be dishonest. That we can say, hey, I'm choosing dishonesty. I don't need to do that. And maybe we say this week, you know, Lord, I'm going to be honest in everything this week. And see what happens. And maybe we're just a bit miserable. Maybe we're that chronic Eeyore. And we just say, wow, you know what? I can smile more. Maybe my gift to God and to my spouse and to my children and to my church and my coworkers is I'm going to try smiling 11 times a day. And I'll keep a little tracker in my phone. And every time I intentionally smile, I'll give myself a check mark. And then I'll go through and then my boss will say something that makes me feel like I'm six inches small. And I'll smile anyhow. And I'll give myself another check. Where does the light of Jesus need to be in my life? And in this world. And of course, we know that it needs to be in this world more. But we don't have the ability to go out and to fix everything. We can't control people, places, or things. That's what my wonderful friends in recovery say. We have a wonderful recovery presence and ministry in this church. We can't control people, places, and things. And so it's not that I can now force people to have Jesus' light. I can share his light. By me choosing to be honest... I now bring things into the open by me choosing to smile more and to be kinder and to be honest about the places where I fall short. I now bring Christ's light into the world more. I help expand it. Because Jesus' light doesn't lead to guilt. It doesn't lead to shame. It leads to life. And this is something that churches can get wrong sometimes. We want to create groups of people that follow Jesus so we try to do this guilt stuff, and we try to do this shame stuff, and it's not biblical and it's not helpful. Here's what it says. You will have light that leads to life. It doesn't say, Jesus doesn't come along and say, hey, if you follow me, you won't have to darken, walk in darkness, but you're going to have to deal with a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of feelings of being less than, a lot of feelings of self-loathing. No, he doesn't say that at all. He says, you'll have the light that leads to life. You will have the light that leads to a better life both now and eternally. And so here's what I think is really clear. Light is good. And the light of the world, which is Jesus, outshines darkness permanently. 
And we look back at those moments in Scripture, and we say, okay, so at the beginning, light was good. Light was part of God's design. Darkness isn't good. Then in that moment in Egypt, we really saw that when we choose spiritual darkness or when spiritual darkness finds its way into our lives, we feel paralyzed. But instead, light is God's design, and we have the opportunity to flourish. And then we see this guy, Isaiah, says, the people who walked in darkness seen a great light, but he also says this, which is really helpful. If you are walking in darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God. But watch out, you who live in your own light. Let's read this together. If you are walking in darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God. But watch out, you who live in your own light. I've identified three lights that we try. They're not real. They're actually darkness. But we sometimes think that these are going to solve it. Instead of going to Jesus, the light of the world, and allowing him to illuminate our life, we go to power. And we say, hey, reliance on human or earthly power. Something happened, and my seventh grader is now failing math and skipping classes. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to come in really, really harsh. And I'm going to just completely stop everything. And the problem is, is it's not that there are good things. There are some good things about coming in as the parent and setting the tone. But there's limitations when I just make it about power. Because I'm not always going to be here as mom and dad, right? And ultimately, I, kids are going to grow up. And if they're just living in fear of my power, and that's why they're doing the math assignment... That's not going to turn out great when they're 32. But when I start to bring Jesus, the light of the world, into my home, and I say, wow, reliance on human and earthly power, that's not the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. Are we praying together as a family? Are we having devotional time as a family? Might doesn't make right. Just because I can do something doesn't mean I should. And when we look at power, we look at all the ways it's used and misused in families, in workplaces, wherever. Reliance on human and earthly power has its major limitations. Another one is information. We live in the so-called information age. Um, many of you maybe have experiences that you remember when we went from no internet to dial-up. Who remembers dial-up? and it would call in. Now, some of you don't raise your hand, don't know what dial-up is, and that makes all the rest of us feel really old. But regardless, simply getting more and more information isn't light. I'll tell you a funny story. I have these little bumps that are these little benign, little kind of, I, they're not tumors, but they're like these fatty things on my arm. And so one day I went into the doctor and I said, hey, am, am I like dying? Like, what's going on here? And my doctor said, calm down, we'll check it out. And we did. And it was nothing. And then my doctor said, you're fine. Just show this to me every year and it's not going to be a problem. And I said, great. And then my doctor said something that I didn't do. She said, oh, by the way, don't Google it. So what did I do? I went home and I Googled it. I went on WebMD and I was convinced I was dying. And I was ready to put all my affairs in order and all sorts of stuff. Simply having an endless pursuit of information actually brings us into darkness. There's an appropriate place for knowledge and information. But when we just try to make that our light, we overthink. Don't raise your hand, but where are my overthinkers? We get more information. We're like, oh, 
this is even worse. Oh no, now I should panic about this. Now it's even worse. Oh no, I don't know what I'm going to do next. Don't Google it. Make that your, your spiritual practice. Don't Google it. If you're sitting in life and saying, hey, I'm just pursuing information, information, and information. Stop. Stop. Here's another one. Entertainment. Seeking truth in entertainment. I don't know how many times I've heard from different parts of, of the political media and anything, left and right, I've heard the same thing. Everybody's all worried about this celebrity endorsing this person and this celebrity endorsing this person and this celebrity doing this and this celebrity promoting this. And it's, it's on the left, it's on the right, it's local level, everything. We see this in workplaces. Just because something entertains me doesn't mean it's true. And if I try to find my truth in entertainment, what happens? Is entertainment there to disciple me? Is entertainment there to make me be drawn closer to Jesus? No, entertainment is there to reduce me to a consumer and to let me be entertained so they can profit off me. In the 1980s, there was this wonderful book written, Amusing Ourselves to Death. And that's what we do is rather than seeking God's best for our lives and walking in Christ's light, what do we do? Well, we hit next when Netflix says, hey, watch one more, so we do. In fact, we don't even have to hit the button anymore because after 17 seconds, we're just right on the next one. And rather than going to bed at 11, we go to bed at 1.30 because we get in the two extra shows and then we're a little tired in the morning and we're a little extra grumpy. And we just do all these different ways where we amuse ourselves to death. But that is not what it means to have the light that leads to life. Jesus is the true light that leads to life. And let's talk about what that means. Jesus doesn't give us light that gives us power. Jesus doesn't give us light that just gives us access to a ton of information. And Jesus doesn't give us light that simply entertains us. The point of the Christian life is not to be entertained. Now, I hope we enjoy coming to church together, but it's not to be entertained. It's to build relationships to each other, to worship God, to see that we put him first. The cross is at the center of the church for a reason, right? The focus is on the cross, not on me being entertained. And so Jesus is the light that leads to life. Those other things are darkness that don't lead. Power doesn't lead to life. Power just corrupts or leaves me feeling left out. Entertainment doesn't lead to life. Information doesn't lead to life. Here's what Jesus does. Jesus breaks the power of sin. I have things in my life where I fall short. And Christ's final ultimate sacrifice on the cross means that those things only have power if I let them have power. They don't. My mistakes, my spiritual darkness, if I surrender them today to God and say, you know what, Lord, I do have some spiritual darkness in my life. Lord, would you just take it right now? And can I just walk in your light from this point forward? The answer is yes. He restores broken relationships. How many wonderful stories do we hear about people who they're on the brink of divorce or the brink of not speaking to each other? And they say, you know what? We're just going to start praying together. We're just going to start coming to church together. We're going to start reading a morning devotional together. And we're going to see what the Lord does with that. And we see this wonderful reconciliation. Because Jesus is the light that leads to life. The outcome of those other things 
is that we're a consumer or we're frustrated or we have these fears and concerns. The outcome of following Jesus is life, a better life now and life with him eternally. And so my question for you is twofold. Number one, is my life illuminated by Jesus? Am I going through my life and saying, hey, Laura and I have kids and we have things that are normalized in our home. We have practices, and sometimes we say we have too much screen time. But you know what? We're trying, and we're trying to do less, and we're trying to follow his best for our life. And we're very careful, and we're saying, hey, you know, Lord, are the things that are normative practices in our home, are those your best for us? Are those illuminated by your light? We think about sometimes maybe we have all this tendency to, to look at negative news, to get really caught in the negative news. Maybe it's this channel or this channel or YouTube or whatever. Is my life illuminated by Jesus or am I trying to illuminate it other ways? And then, am I helping to expand Jesus' light in our world? Think about that for a moment. We talk a lot about our limitations as people. Yes, I can't control my neighbor, I can't control my spouse, I can't control my children. But I do bring Jesus with me everywhere I go. And that means I can bring Christ's light with me into the dark places. That means that if I've got a group of friends who are really gossip heavy, if I am in that group and don't gossip and simply just try to bring his light, it does bring his light into that situation. Am I helping to expand his light in our dark world? Because there's a lot of darkness. That's what our big idea is. Jesus is the light. God's design is for us to walk in his true light. So perhaps your life feels like a dark basement with all the lights off. And you're tripping over couches and stepping on cars and running into walls. Perhaps you feel that way or perhaps you just feel like our world is like that. Maybe it means being caught up in negative news cycles. Maybe it means always being frustrated, always being Eeyore, Maybe it means being dishonest. You know, we are as sick as our secrets. Maybe it means that you're sitting there and feeling like you're always negative. I want to invite you to make the decision to move into the light of Jesus. Maybe you've never accepted Christ. And maybe today is the day where you say, you know what, Lord? I'm a sinner. I fall short. I need to repent and turn away from that. I need you. Only you can satisfy. Lord, I give you my life. Maybe you've done that before, and maybe you're in a different place, and you say, you know what? I've kind of drifted away from the light. I need Jesus the light to have a greater role in my life. So what we're going to do, we're not going to bring a prayer team forward. I'm going to instead invite every single one of us to bow our heads for a moment. We're going to pray simply that Christ would be the light of our lives and of this church. And then we're going to sing. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I bless our congregation. I bless all of us gathered here today. Lord, if we find ourselves in a place of spiritual darkness, I'm so glad that we're here, Lord. Thank you. Lord, we pray that this congregation could be so honest, both individually and collectively, that we fall short, that we cannot provide the light on our own. We need the light of Christ. And so, Lord, we pray that Christ's light would be enough in our lives to illuminate them, to make them clear. As we face decisions, 
as we come into times where we have challenges, Lord, that we not turn to any other thing, which is ultimately darkness, but we see that Jesus is the light of the world. Lord, we pray that we would be people who follow his light in our lives. It's in his name we pray. Amen.